Hey guys, thanks for listening to Kinda Dating, the comedy dating podcast where I, your host, Natasha Chandel, and some cool guests break down the dating world and try to figure out why the fuck do we all have commitment issues? Today's topic is emotional intelligence. Do you have it? Let's find out. Hey, friends. I'm Natasha Chandel. You're listening to Kinda Dating. Hi, Aisha. Hi. How are you? I'm sleepy. Oh, <laughs> why? Did you sleep late? I did. And I'm like, I'm starting to do the same way. I wake up early now, but last night. Oh, shit. How late is late? Last night was like three. <laughs> oh, my gosh, girl. I was in bed like, man. Usually. But I had, I was talking to a friend. So, you know. That's, that's oh, amazing. okay. Like a friend. Um, <laughs> No. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, you know, it could be. It could be, but it was not. <laughs> okay. Fair, fair, fair. Um, well, guys, uh, where uh, wherever you get this podcast, please remember to subscribe to it um, and tell your friends because it really, really helps us out and also leave us a five-star rating or review. Uh, we would be very grateful. We're also on social media, so follow us there. We're at Kind of Dating Across the Board. Aisha. I am at Aisha Says Dance across the board. And I am at Natasha Chandel on Instagram, Natasha underscore Chandel on Twitter, Natasha Chandel Official on Facebook. Um, we are welcoming back our friend who did an awesome episode on uh, the attachment to time. And now we have back psychologist, coach, relationship scientist, and author of From First Kiss to Forever, A Scientific Approach to Love. Everyone say hello to Dr. Oh, and not, I don't know, Dr. Marissa T. Cohen. Hi, it is Dr. Okay, it is. That's what I thought. I was like, my brain went to doctor. And then I was like, wait, did I just make that up? <laughs> Hi, everybody. Okay. Thanks for having me back. Dr. Marissa T. Cohen. <laughs> just Marissa's good. <laughs> yes, thank you. We're on first name basis. <laughs> well, we love you on the show. You always um, drop awesome knowledge and and great data, you know, uh, which we love to have. So we're excited to to talk about this topic with you because, I mean, it's taken us a long time to do this, but I think it's it's very important for relationships, which is a bit more of an, a newer concept, right? Um, do you want to just help people kind of understand like what is emotional intelligence? Sure. So emotional intelligence is really our capacity to understand our emotions, express our emotions, and to understand their complexity and how they come into play in our interpersonal relationships, whether it's partners, friends, coworkers, family members, you name it. And it sort of got popularized in the 90s, right? By a psychologist, Daniel Daniel Goleman. Goleman, yeah. There's a couple of different theories of emotional intelligence, but his is probably the most popular, and I really enjoy that one. Um, You know, when people were talking about intelligence, kind of like as an abstract concept, some people were grouping emotional intelligence within that overarching view of, in, of intelligence itself. And then other people were saying, you know what, it's its own independent construct or skill set. And, and I, I subscribe to that view, really, that emotional intelligence is there's so many facets to it that we should really just kind of consider it on its own. 
Yeah, because because there are, I mean, we see it, I think, all the time where there are very highly intelligent people in terms of, let's say, IQ. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But they don't understand other people's feelings at all or maybe even themselves. And, and they have sh- pretty shitty interpersonal relationships because mm-hmm. of that. Um, I mean, you know, great example is Sheldon from <laughs> Big Bang Theory. Just kind of came into my head as like a guy who's, you know, a bit of a dick, but he's super smart. So uh, I, it's not the same thing is what we're trying to say. Emotional intelligence is not the same thing as the regular IQ intelligence right. we talk about. Yeah. So like not even looking at, you know, Goldman's view, but we could definitely talk about it because I think it's interesting, but just in general, um, you know, when we talk about what emotional intelligence is, like the different components, I mean, it involves people perceiving emotions. So it's, you know, when a person's crying, recognizing that they're sad and not even just in faces, but you know, what is sad music? How do you identify that music is sad or happy? Um, how can you tell by the tone of a person's voice, what they're feeling? And it's also, you know, that component of understanding emotions and realizing that emotions can change over time. So if a person is crying at the moment, they're not always going to be sad. And, um, managing your own emotions. So knowing yourself when it's appropriate to express certain emotions. So we typically cry at a funeral and we'll laugh at a comedy show, typically not the other way around, Um, but you know, it could be, it depends. Um, And just even, you know, using emotions, we can use emotions to our own benefit. Um, You know, putting on a, a happy face and can sometimes shift our perspective of the situation and make us even feel happier. So all of that, like all of those skills kind of bundle up into our emotional intelligence. And I was reading that that studies show that people with more emotional intelligence tend to have greater mental health, Mm -hmm. job performance, and leadership skills. Is that a thing? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are a lot of correlational studies. Um, Correlation does not mean causation. So just like a little disclaimer there that all my research method students probably hear me say way too Mm. much. So what does that mean exactly? So it doesn't mean that there's like necessarily um, one will cause another. So if you have um, high emotional intelligence, you definitely will become, you know, you will get promoted faster. Yes, yeah. Um, But Overall, just kind of looking, there is a relationship between those two components. And, you know, research has shown that people who are emotionally intelligent tend to be more Mm self-aware. So they understand themselves better. Um, They also tend to have better quality interactions with friends. Uh, They tend to be less depressed. Uh, And again, this doesn't mean, like I said before, that if you are emotionally intelligent, you will not be depressed. But on the whole... Um, they tend to display less anxiety and anger. Um, and they're also better with conveying and expressing empathy for other people. So being able to put themselves in another person's shoes and understand them. And and how does emotional intelligence then affect romantic relationships? Well, definitely understanding other people, um, how they think, why they might behave a certain way is helpful to create that interpersonal connection, but also having like a better awareness of yourself 
can enhance who you are and how you show up in relationships. And, you know, just taking that self-awareness piece and talking about that for a moment. I mean, self-awareness affects, you know, your understanding of, you know, who you are, what you want, um, you know, what you value, what's important to you, what your goals are, and, you know, what you're looking for in a mate. So, you know, that self-awareness, and I think that's in um, Daniel Goleman's theory too, Mm -hmm. that self-awareness is one individual piece uh, of overall emotional intelligence, but it helps you have a better understanding of like who you are and what you're looking for. So you're more knowledgeable when it comes to relationships. Also like being aware of the emotion you're feeling at the time, right? Because I think that is half of like the the fights of relationships is <laughs> yeah. if you're with, you know, somebody who has lower emotional intelligence than somebody else, like one person might not even know why they're mad and they're just snapping or they're being, you know, distant because they don't want to, they don't know that they're feeling let down by a partner or whatever it is. And they're they're not able to even be aware of it, let alone kind of communicate that. Did you know that Kinda Dating Now has merch? Yep. We collaborated with tpublic.com to create t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, stickers, iPhone cases, and so much more. Picking up one of our items is a great way to support the show and grab some swag for yourself. So swing over to tpublic.com or follow the link in the description of this episode to grab yours today. A hundred percent. There is a one school of thought in therapy, um, emotionally focused therapy. Sue Johnson out of Canada came up with this theory. Yeah, Canada. um, (laughs) it, It looks at, you know, it's based in attachment theory, but it says that like a lot of our emotions are like secondary emotions. So anger can really come out because maybe we're feeling like insecure in the relationship. Mm-hmm. So we might be um, very caustic or yell at our partner. And that's because we're really questioning, well, does my partner care about me? So being able either with yourself or with a therapist or couples therapist, being able to identify, well, what are these emotions? Um, What are the root of these emotions? What might it be masking? What deeper issues? And that can lead to like a whole new level of understanding between people within a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Aish, do you think, do you think just whatever you're thinking uh, about (laughs) it, but like, do you think you have, you're emotionally intelligent? I think so. But yeah, I, I would think you questioning are questioning myself, but I think for the most part, yes. I mean, I do. There are moments when I have trouble expressing myself, especially when it's like yeah. anger and like things that I feel like it's going to affect other people. But I'm at least aware of that. So I think that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So the awareness part you got down. That. <laughs> uh <laughs> Yeah, because I, I mean, I feel like we've all dated people, right? That that when I was younger, I didn't understand. I mean, obviously, I didn't even know what emotional intelligence was, but I definitely didn't understand its value. Um, and but but I do know how many times I've dated people that didn't have any mm. emotional intelligence, and that became as is. Um, as I grew older, it became like a huge, uh, component for me where I realized it was something like even the ability to fight, Mm -hmm. 
you know, how if you brought up a, a problem to somebody, how they would react to it. Like the idea of somebody getting super defensive or walking away or slamming a door or like not talking versus somebody who would sit down and go, oh, okay. Okay, let's like discuss this problem, you know? Um, and I remember, I, I mean, two of my relationships, one with the Marine um, who was younger, you know, and rightfully so, he was younger, so he's still learning, um, but definitely didn't have the emotional intelligence to deal with conflict. And, and, and there came a point where, where it was like, this isn't working because you can't, you're, you're not able to communicate at the same level. Marissa, is it, do you notice, or is there anything where like, can people with different levels of emotional intelligence, can they romantically get, yeah. (laughs) Like, can it work out? Yeah. Um, I guess the person, the burden would be on the person with the higher (laughs) intelligence. I guess it depends, right. How, how much of a gap there is, because this goes back to, you know, when we're looking for a partner, do you want someone similar to or different from us? And, you know, it's like birds of a feather flock together. We look for people with like core values, beliefs, like, you know, even emotional intelligence and maturity similar to our own. It's all of those other more surface things like your favorite sports team or favorite type of music or hobbies, which can be different and then enhance one another's life. But it's those important, you know, core values it, it need to be similar and having a similar level of emotional intelligence or maturity would definitely be helpful. And, um, you know, emotional intelligence is something that forms early on. And I, even in my general psychology classes, uh, I talk about it briefly, unfortunately, briefly, because it does tend to fall under that overarching lecture of intelligence. But, you know, there's been studies that basically um, have shown that, you know, even five-year-olds, like five-year-old kids who are better at picking out and labeling facial emotions tend to be those who at a later age have more friends, um, cooperated with the teacher more, thus did better in school. So, I mean, early on, we're developing these skills and, you know, you're going to see this difference kind of magnified over time unless someone does something to improve or gain in terms of overall emotional intelligence on their own. Are empaths then people who are highly emotionally intelligent? Is that... Um, empaths are people who basically can, um, better sense the emotions of others. That's Mm. a component of it. So, um, you know, if just talking about Daniel Goleman's theory and we've mentioned, so maybe just to kind of fill people in because he is one of, I guess, the most famous researchers when it comes to emotional intelligence. And he wrote a book on the topic, uh, he he touches upon, uh, I think it's, yeah, five different components, two of them we've talked about, but, you know, he says part of emotional intelligence is that self-awareness piece. So knowing who you are, um, and this could be your strengths, your weaknesses. And just to give you a sense, if you're emotionally intelligent in terms of self-awareness, you understand 
how people perceive you. Like you, you mm. get what people see in you. Um, you're also the kind of person who can handle mistakes, learn from your mistakes and grow, which is really helpful in terms of just any interpersonal relationship. So that's one component. The other one that we touched on is empathy. Um, so being able to understand another person's situation, put yourself in their shoes. And um, people who are emotionally intelligent in this area are usually those who can understand the hardships that others face or even their successes, even if they haven't experienced these successes or failures themselves but they understand it, you know, trying to take the perspective of that other person. Um, The other ones are self-regulation, which really involves controlling your impulses, initiating tasks. Like think of it like goal setting. So setting that goal, everything that's involved in reaching that goal, applying the proper strategies and structuring your environment in a way that you can accomplish it. And, um, you know, people who are emotionally intelligent in this, arena can essentially adapt to change really well. Um, and they're also able to respond well to others. Um, is it also like a, uh, is it also just like your right, like how a, being able to regulate your emotions, like knowing when to fucking snap and when not to, or yeah, like, yeah, that's definitely a road rage. Like that's what, I, that came, that's what came in my head. A hundred percent. Yes. A hundred percent. Like knowing when the emotions will be valuable to you or when they'll create a problem, but also others. So, um, I don't know. I'm trying to, uh, like I for me, I, I would, I, I'm just going to jump in for one second. I, the, my example for myself is, um, I have a, I have a temper and I know in the moment I'm not good at discussing in the moment. And I've always like been very clear, like my family, everybody knows, like, let me get some space. Let me breathe for a second. And then I can come back and have a conversation. If I'm in the moment and somebody keeps pushing me, I probably will snap. And so like I've had to learn, you know, especially mostly the only place I really get angry is my dad and my brother. But like, I've had to learn to walk away from conversations where I've had to be like, okay. And that's me regulating myself. Is that? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm, Definitely. Yeah. It's a good understanding of yourself, how you handle situations, um, how you handle your emotions, but then also within that example that you just gave, um, being able to recognize how other people would handle their emotions. So, you know, understanding like if your partner needs that break or if your partner is the kind of person who when they get angry, snap at you and you know that that's the reason why that they're angry and, and having that awareness, not only in your own emotions, but others and how they handle their emotions is really, really important. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just the other two uh, Daniel Goleman components are really like motivation. So, you know, desire to engage with the task and people who are emotionally intelligent are usually those who are intrinsically motivated. They're the people who want to do something for the sake of doing something. Like it's inherently interesting to them and they'll persist in the face of failure. Like those are the people Mm -hmm. who will keep trying, um, to improve themselves. And then the last one, which is really important, is the social skills. And that's just, Mm. 
you know, creating bonds, managing relationships, understanding the various roles you play. So if you think about the relationships in your own life, you might be um, a partner, a daughter, a sister, a friend, a coworker, and understanding the different role you have. And if you are the manager of a team, you might show up in a very different way than you do when you're with your best friend. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like not talking the same way that you would with one person, like a child that you would mm-hmm. with an adult. Right, right. Right. Being like, you fucking idiot. No, I mean, some people do and they're not emotionally intelligent. Don't do that to a child, guys. That's dickish. Um, yeah, that's a great, the, I mean, those are those are really a fascinating components um, that are, are cool for us to think about like where we sort of fall in that. And And of course, it's all like a work in progress, right? Like it's not like you can't become more emotionally intelligent. No, I mean, you could definitely, you know, do work to improve it over time, Um, whether it's your own personal journey, whether you work with a counselor, a therapist, coach, um, but you could definitely, you know, through like some self-reflection of your own emotions, like, you know, even just journaling is like one great step to make you aware Mm -hmm. of your emotions, how they change over time. Um, Taking that time to just kind of pause and, and think about how you feel in different situations can give you a lot of valuable information. Um, And even just, you know, in other areas, examining your beliefs, holding yourself accountable Mm. uh, for reaching your goals, understanding your relationship with failure, um, you know, improving your community, like for the relationship management component or that social skills component, improving your communication, team building, you know, you can cultivate these skills over time and in your relationships with others. And that can improve your overall emotional intelligence. Yeah. I was also reading, um, that uh, there's a psychologist, Mark Brackett, who's the founder of the Yale Center for Emotional Intelligence. Mm-hmm. And he has something called the ruler kind of approach. Have you heard of yeah. that? Where it's like uh, the R stands for like, yeah. if you want to become more emotionally intelligent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's actually a really, really great approach. Um, and it's kind of, I think it's part of overall like social emotional learning, mm-hmm. uh, which is there's this initiative to incorporate more social emotional learning in schools, you know, K through mm. schools, which I think is so important because, you know, uh, my experience, we didn't really have that. You know, you had some teachers who kind of threw in character building every now and then, but totally no real discussion of our emotions and, um, you know, we had like health class, but health class was mostly like anatomy and never really touched on any of this stuff, which is so helpful because it's how we show up for ourselves, how we show up in relationships. Um, and actually that ruler acronym is, is used to, even with young kids, just to help them understand emotions. And for people who are unfamiliar with it, it's recognizing emotions, understanding emotions, labeling those emotions. So like angry, sad, happy, um, expressing them. So showing when you're mm-hmm. happy or sad and even that regulation piece coming back to being able to control 
or manage it or really learn more about your relationship with that emotion. Yeah, because a lot of people, you know, uh, whenever I go do other people's podcasts, they always ask me the same question because uh, the tag of our show is trying to figure out why the fuck we all have commitment issues. Everybody always asks me, like, why do you think people have commitment issues? And everybody goes like, oh, is it because of options? And I go, no, I don't believe it's options. I think it's and I guess now I'm thinking about it kind of semi comes down to emotional intelligence. I don't think people know how to cope, which is that our part, the regulating the emotion. Um which is people don't even half the time know what they're feeling. They, so they don't know how to understand it. They don't want to label it because labeling it would mean having to express it. And then expressing it would mean having to face whatever comes of that. So for example, you know, it's much easier to ghost somebody than to tell them Mm -hmm you know, what I was feeling or wasn't feeling is this. I wasn't feeling happy when I was out with you. I wasn't feeling the kind of joy I want to feel. And then like labeling that and then saying it to somebody and then learning to cope with however they respond back. That could be somebody going, fuck you. Yeah. You know, don't tell me I don't make you happy. But then you have to sit with that feeling and that's really difficult. But ideally, hopefully, if you're with somebody or, you know, you were having a discussion with somebody who was also emotionally intelligent, they could go, oh, okay, well, I understand that. That's what this whole process is about. And it's cool. Like, you know, we tried. Nice, nice meeting you. Good luck. On your way we go. But we don't even want to do that. And so because of that, we just ghost each other. We're fucking slow fading. We're, you know, doing all these things to avoid. Yeah. Dealing with an emotion. I loved everything about that. And I think of that, like, I mean, like not that scenario ghosting, but like everything about, yeah, I love ghosting. No, but everything about what you just explained, I mean, that's probably a large like component of really why we have commitment issues. And, you know, to your point, how many times, even if we are emotionally intelligent and we're in touch with what we're experiencing, when we're experiencing it, how many times have we been reinforced in such a way that when we bring it up, it's shut down or, you know, you shouldn't share that. You should have those beliefs. Of course, you know, we need to, and this is part of that emotional intelligence, be mindful of what we're saying and how people are interpreting it. But usually emotions don't come into with conversations, um, mm-hmm. you know, and just even, even just working with couples for so many years, it's a lot of like, we're very attuned to what am I thinking? What am I thinking? What am I thinking? But what are you feeling? Mm-hmm. And we're sometimes not asking that of one another and, you know, your feelings, your emotions, that influences how you're thinking and how you're thinking influences your emotions. You can't take that piece of the equation out and think that you're still going to be able to function. Yeah. And that's why I think it's so great that you said that, like, I didn't know that they were starting to teach this to young people, like kids, because that's what, like, I feel the reason we don't know how to cope is because we were never taught, like we were never taught to deal with our emotions because most of our parents were from a generation that were told to just put their emotions aside and, and, you know, just suck it up. Uh, yeah, suck it up, pull up your pants, do your thing. And like, uh, and, and, you know, there's this quote from Mark Brackett who's, who said, um, hurt feelings don't vanish on their own. They don't heal themselves. 
if we don't express our emotions, they pile up like debt that will eventually come due. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought that was so poignant. You know, it's like simple, but it's true that um, uh, that any way that we react, I mean, I know a lot of people listening to this will go, oh, I think I'm emotionally intelligent. Like, mm-hmm. I think most of us think that. But if you think about how you respond to your dates and how you are on your dates, I think are a good sign of if you really are getting there. And and you can improve. Like Marissa, you know, dating in New York, um, as you know, somebody who also dated in New York, it's so uh, exhausting. It's exhausting, and the people are are I find like way worse than any place I have ever dated in terms of just like there is no monogamy people just treat everybody like shit it's just straight transactional it's like go 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 okay moving on like whatever and I remember like being in that world and when I mean I think I have improved immensely of my emotional intelligence through fucking therapy like I really think therapy was my my way of growing but um and lots of like self-reflection and work but but old me in New York used to be so jaded. And I like now look back at myself on a date. And I think even that, even that sort of um, nose up in the air, a little defensiveness, whenever you were on a date, they would say something, but then you were almost like beating them to a punch of something else. Like, I don't know if people can relate to that, but I think a lot of us are like that. Like, I mean, I used to be like that. And then when I finally like did that work, I could sit at a date and, and not have to feel like this is some power dynamic mm-hmm. right? and be completely fine with like letting somebody lead the conversation or, oh yeah, that was actually kind of funny or whatever, you know, like not feeling so guarded and defensive. Is that, that's a challenge. It's, it's, and you just described a, a large portion of my twenties. Um, no, same. Yeah. No, but it's just, you know, it, it's also interesting to hear you say that, you know, after dating in different places that like New York was a challenge, you know, I hear that from a lot of people having lived in New York my entire life. I really don't you know, know anything else other than dating in New York, essentially. But um, it, it's, you know, things will eventually become the norm, especially like, you know, now that everything is so focused on online dating and, and meeting people very quickly. But there is that sense of, you know, just kind of like that transactional na- like nature of it, like get in and see if you match, get out and like, you know, always kind of there is like dating fatigue that essentially will happen and you're just kind of over it. And, you know, realizing, and a big turning point for me was that I used to have to like psych myself up at a certain point to even approach the date where I'm just like, I'm just, I'm so over this. Like, it's just, they always turn out. And I, I would walk in with the mindset of like, it's not going to work out. What yes. is And then even if you think you're presenting yourself in the best way, you're probably not because that's seeping in. It's influencing your conversation. And that's exactly when I was like, it's time for a break. But knowing that being in tune with that, that's that self-awareness piece too. Um, a lot of people, it might be, cha- not a lot, but it might be challenging for people to recognize that. But then also once you recognize it, 
doing something about it is the next step because there are a lot of people who are like, um, you know, I'm going on three dates, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I want to be able to get through my dating pool as quickly as possible and find the one. Going back to the other podcast, we did that attachment to time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it all comes full circle. They feel they feel pressure to couple up. And that's just their driving force. So they're not listening to themselves when they realize when they start to realize I'm not showing up in the best way to these dates. Right. And, and, and not being present and then not being uh, empathetic after, right? Like, again, when it becomes transactional and you go on a date and you're just like, oh, is this meeting my end goal? Yes or no. The way you end it after even is so, again, we've all done it. I was notorious for this. It, it would just be like, okay, bye. See ya. Mm -hmm. And I, and as I grew older, I just started realizing, oh my God, I could be nicer. There's no reason I don't, I, I can't end this and nicely. <laughs> and and there are times, yeah, there are times that you should just go somebody. You know, there are times that somebody might just not be a, a it, they might just be a toxic person. It's just better to block or, or ghost them. But most of the time, yeah. you know, it's just us going like, hey, yeah, probably didn't work out, you know? Um, and then we rationalize why it might be okay to just kind of do that fade. And sometimes we believe it. Sometimes it takes a little bit more convincing. Um, I might have shared this, you know, last time I was on the podcast, but my best online dating experience is actually when someone ended or the, what could have been a relationship because I thought they handled it so well. Um, this was many, many years ago. Um, I don't even remember the guy's name, but if he's listening, maybe he'll recognize the story about him. But we had been, I was away for a period of time um, taking a course in another part of the state. So we had been like calling each other, uh, sending emails and stuff. And we had like set up this date. And it was one of those things where we just felt like really, really compatible with one another. Um, And you know, I was like really excited to go out with this guy. And um, the day before the date, he actually called me and he was like, listen, I'm going to cancel our date, but I just, you know, I was really looking forward to meeting you, but I want to tell you why I don't want you to think that I'm just like leaving and not, you know, giving you a reason. I have been dating a lot of, you know, people like as you know, we often do on online dating, it's multiple people at a time. Um, so I've been dating other people and, you know, I just so happened to be like four or five dates in, I forget how many he said with another girl and she asked me to make it official. So I'm going to give it a shot with her. So I'm just going to pursue that. But, you know, I've really enjoyed talking to you and I wish you the best of luck. And I was not even, I mean, I really, really liked him. I was very much looking forward to meeting him, but there was no anger on my end because I was just like, and I just remember like really just thanking him for some very emotionally mature way of handling it. It was, you know, thank you for that explanation and I wish you the best of luck in your relationship. So I I hope that they are in a happy, wonderful relationship today. I, I don't know what happened, but I thought that that was an amazing way to handle the situation. Yeah, no, that's an amazing example. And, and I think about you on the flip end of having received that information in, in a secure, emotionally intelligent way where you know, a lot of the messages I get are from people who got ghosted or something like that. And they're so angry. Mm -hmm. And I, and I get it too. Again, as somebody who's been ghosted, like I can understand that frustration and that anger. Um, 
but the but and and old me like when I was young had sent the fuck you message blah 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 you know you're don't don't say shit about me you're a piece of shit blah 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 and then like now looking back laughing going really if I had you know which one of the the five components would that be uh the self-regulating maybe um like knowing would this help the situation of me getting mad at somebody telling me that they don't feel that way or whatever, or ghosting. And, and sometimes like I try to explain to people, you're telling a grown person something they already know. So even though I know you are, you think you are teaching them a lesson, I guarantee you they knew what they were doing beforehand because you probably wouldn't date a dumb person. And, and so if they're smart, they knew what they were doing and they chose to do that. So like protect yourself and just be like, I know better and I've moved on and it's not worth me getting angry and sending a cuss off text. Right. I think we're conditioned to want closure that like elusive term, like what is closure? Right. So Um, true. We have these questions that we want to ask and this information, but that then goes back to what I was saying before the split between like the logical and the emotional. So even if you get the answers to those questions, not going to necessarily make you feel better. Like there's never going to be like a cut and dry explanation. Like, you know, unless it's, well, even I was going to say, unless it's like logistics, like I'm moving far across the country or to another country, but even then you'd say, well, why don't you take me with you? Or why would you move if you love me so much? I don't think that that logical and that emotional piece always sync up so well. And even if we had that conversation and got those answers, is it going to change how we feel no, and sometimes we have to be comfortable or find comfort in not being able to resolve that. Oh my God, thank you for saying that. Because <laughs> again, young me used to be obsessed with closure. Now I have no desire for it. I'm like, it's cool. Like I'm never gonna solve this problem. And I've and I've just come to like, okay. And and One of my good friends now is going through this where he just got cheated on by his girlfriend um, and he knows everything. He knows all the information. He, He talked to the other guy that she was cheating on him with. That's how he found out. And yet he is obsessed with getting her to say she did it. I'm like, but you know, she did it. She's saying it in every other word to you besides saying the words, yeah, I did it. I'm sorry. He's like, I want her to apologize. And so now he's like going this, this down this rabbit hole of just getting more and more and more and more and more information. And it's not making him feel good. He's getting super depressed. Yeah. All because he's, and, and continuing a contact with this person who's clearly toxic because he wants her to like, and he goes, it's about closure. I'm like, you are, I guarantee you, she cheated on you. You're never going to get it. He's like, I just want to know why. You're never going to get it. Yeah, exactly. might not know why. And then even if she shares her answer, is that going to be an acceptable answer for him? There's, it opens up mm-hmm. so many more questions. And even if she says it, I feel like he might have, a lot of his well-being kind of pinned on that. And I think it's just going to kind of shift that even if she does say it and explain it, it's still, it's like a moving target. Mm-hmm. That actually is like thinking of something. Can we be like emotionally intelligent in one area and not another? So like in 
romantic relationships, just garbage, but like platonic <laughs> relationships, very in tune. Is that possible? Or is it just umbrella? You are emotionally intelligent. Everyone. No, I mean, um, and that goes back to, I mean, different people think different things, right? Like, you know, even just under intelligence, is there like one underlying component or does it kind of split up into different areas? And I think a lot of it has to do with like your experiences Mm -hmm. and we're Mm -hmm. influenced by our past experiences. We can choose to either learn from them and grow, or we can kind of get stuck in them. Um, so I think that, you know, if you approach relationships with, I'm always going to get burned and like, it's kind of like not having that, you know, awareness piece in, I might be standing in my own way. You can approach romantic relationships in a completely different way than you approach friendships. Mm. So, you know, I think that it, it might be easy to generalize your capacity for emotional intelligence as having it or not having it, but it manifests in your behavior in different areas in different ways. Yeah, that's a, that was a really good question. Um, so bringing it back to relationships, if you're on a date or you're dating somebody, how do you, how, how, are there some signposts? Are there gauges? Are there things that we can look for to be like, is this person as emotionally intelligent as they say or think, or I don't know, just are they? <laughs> um, I think it'd be interesting if a person came to the date and they're just like, "Hey, I'm, I'm emotionally okay. intelligent." You know what? I I remember when I was on uh, the dating apps back in the day. Uh, there was one guy who was like, uh, "I'm emotionally intelligent. I won't date anybody who's not read this book." Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. So maybe he wasn't then. Clearly, but <laughs> some people say it. But how do you figure out, how do you figure out somebody's on, who's really like on the sort of level as you? I, I mean, one thing, I think a simple way and correct me if I'm wrong, Marissa, is like, how, how are they asserting themselves? How are they presenting themselves? Is it like confident in a real, like a, a grounded, confident way? Or is it like in an insecure, I'm going to talk shit about, you know, to the waiter, you know, those people who are like, right. Just have a fucking air about them all the time and, and talk shit like. (laughs) Right. Um, I think it's, it's, yeah, it's tapping into what is this person's people skills? Like Mm. how do they relate to other people? How do they treat other people? Um, it's, you know, if you're dating a person for a long period of time, we're talking about, you know, you act differently in different types of relationships. So if they take you to a work function, are they acting um, differently, you know, with their Mm. boss and colleagues and they do with like you and your friends, how do they treat your friends? Um, You know, you can get a sense of a person's like level of self-awareness because again, it also depends upon how long you're dating a person. It's one of those things that this is something you probably can't accurately gauge until you're a little bit of the way in because when we first start dating, we're all presenting the best version of ourselves. Um, You'd be surprised though, Marissa. (laughs) Some people just put it all up out there in the front. (laughs) Um, but, But, you know, usually as we get more comfortable with people, we kind of let them know maybe some of our insecurities and, um, some things that areas that we want to grow in. So I think when, when people are open and willing to accept their faults, 
um, and they're able to identify them. Um, and you are able to see that they do have goals and they're working on self-improvement, uh, that is helpful. Also, um, the way in which they communicate with you, they communicate with you, they actively listen to you. A big piece, um, I think in, uh, interpersonal skills or like those relationship skills is like validation, especially Mm. when it comes to disagreements. um, Mm -hmm. That will definitely happen in a relationship. There's bound to be something that you don't agree on. And you don't have to see eye to eye with another person. That is okay. But it's, can this partner validate you? And like, these are your feelings. They don't have to accept them as true, but they accept them as your own and your own beliefs, or are they constantly trying to change them or change you or prove you wrong? If you see that inflexibility, I think that's a big warning sign. Yeah, definitely. I'm curious is, um, you know, are sort of the people who are higher on the spectrum of, you know, emotional intelligence, are they better at, have they processed their trauma more or is there anything related to that? Because, uh, you know, I'm also trying to think of when you're on a date and some people lay everything out right in the beginning, you know, like all their fucking unprocessed trauma comes out on date one or two, or, you know, again, guilty as charged. We heard it from Russell Peters himself. Like when I went out before I, you know, when I was younger, I would talk about my crazy ex like on the date and not even realize that I was doing it because clearly I wasn't fucking emotionally intelligent. Um, is there, is there a correlation to that? I don't know about like correlation or what the research says, but, um, I, you know, a large component is really being able to adjust to different settings and environments and kind of, you know, realizing what to share, when to share it and how that would affect another person. Because look, um, you want to be in a relationship where you can be your true self, where you can be vulnerable and you can share your past with your partner. Um, especially if this is going to be a long-term relationship where you truly are getting to know one another. But, um, this, you know, what the, the difficulty lies in when you share, not you, but like when one person shares too much too soon, Mm. What you actually wind up doing is you put the other person in this position for them to have to kind of reciprocate because that's how conversation usually works. So it's just kind of like, all right, I've just shared everything in my closet. What about you? Go now. So it kind of backs them into a corner, which they may not feel comfortable yet sharing. So it's kind of like trying to get too intimate, too quick with a person, Mm. Um, you know, and I'm not talking about physical, just like in terms of like what you're sharing, the depth of it. So being able to regulate that, that can be rolled into that emotional intelligence piece. Mm. So Aish, now, do you think you're still emotionally intelligent? (laughs) (laughs) I think it's definitely like on the spectrum, you know, but there's always things to improve and to work. Of course. Yeah. (laughs) Same. I mean, I'm, I'm uh, obviously you, you hear it and you hear broken down and you go, oh man, there are areas that I'm much stronger in than other areas. Like there's parts of self-awareness I'm really good at. And then 
that I'm like, oh, but do I always communicate my feelings right away? Like, oh, that's a little harder for me. Uh, And that's normal, right, Marissa? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't think everyone can be like that person on the dating site who was like, I'm emotionally intelligent. (laughs) (laughs) Read the book. No. Um, (laughs) I would have loved to have met that person. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. But to me, like, uh, even profiles, profiles are such a indicator of where people are. Um, Like, one of my friends was sending me his profile, and he goes, hey, can I put this up? What do you think? Um, Also, the person, clearly, who just got cheated on. So, you know, different state of mind. But everything he was writing in his profile was so, like, like he's a funny guy, so he wanted to be funny. And I'm like, no, I get the funny part. Like, I'm a comedian. I I support the funny. (laughs) But you are saying it in a condescending way. Like, you're saying a joke by putting yourself down or putting the other, like, don't date me if you're this kind of, I'm like, oh, geez, don't frame things in a more positive way that aren't because that aren't uh, putting somebody else down. Yeah. While still getting what you want, because that's the, the, I would say the now emotionally intelligent way of getting what you want. You know, and I think that dating profiles have now become what college entrance essays used to be. <laughs> yeah. Where we're so like, what can we say that is so like out there and outrageous that like, I just remember back when I was applying to college, there was this like whole thing that went around and I don't even know if it was true or not, but it was like someone applied to like Harvard or something and they did it by sending in one shoe and writing their essay saying that like, if you accept me, I'll reunite my shoe with this shoe or like something like that kind of thing. And it was just like, oh, this is so original that they accepted him to every single school. So I feel like there's so much like we're getting in our own way of like, how can we be the profile that's just like so witty, so funny that like every single person is going to read it and be like, oh my gosh, and pass it around to all of their best friends and be like, you must date this person. And it's just, I don't even know how much of our true selves are coming through in it because a lot of us get so in our own head about like what we should and should be presenting. And that's such a good point because one of the things that I was reading um, about emotional intelligence is people who are um, tend to be more authentic mm-hmm. because I guess they they feel comfortable being themselves. They yeah. they understand the larger context of a situation. So, for example, on a you know a dating profile, it's like it would be different if if somebody uh, might not be as authentic if they're trying to get everybody to match with them. But if you really look at it in the larger context, and you're going, well, I'm not trying to get everybody to match with me. I want people who are like-minded to match with me. Mm -hmm. And so it's best for me to be me so that other people who are like me will gravitate to that. And that might be a smaller pool. Right. But that's okay because you're not looking for 7 billion matches. Right. It's a smaller pool, but it's your pool. So that's that's great. Yeah. Um, Last question, Marissa. Uh, So emotional intelligence on, on the overall seems kind of a good thing. Um, but I was reading that there could be like a little dark side to it. 
Um, emotional intelligence, having a dark side, like in a way, I guess it could, you know, make you like with anything we want it within, within reason. Um, it can make you hyper aware essentially Mm -hmm. of your, I don't want to say flaws. I think flaws might be too, too strong, but maybe like the areas that you have for improvements. And then in that, you know, it might create like a little bit of anxiety for you. But again, Mm -hmm. um, in being self-aware, it does kind of open up like this Pandora's box of, well, what is it that I'm going to learn about myself? But it's all in, you know, information is important. It's what you do with that information next that really matters. Oh, love that. That feels right. Um, And I feel like that is a great way. I'm feeling like this is a great way to wrap this episode. (laughs) Did I I read the room correctly? Um, Marissa, thank you so much. I mean, we love having you on and you're so articulate and you're so fun and, uh, and you share such great information with us. Aisha and I have a fucking giant list to constantly work on (laughs) emotional intelligence being added to that. Exactly. Same. Same. (laughs) Uh, Marissa, how can everybody find you on social media? Yeah, so you could find me. Um, I'm Marissa T. Cohen, and that's Marissa with one S on Facebook and Instagram. You can also visit my website, marissatcohen.com. Uh, and guys, everything is in the description of this episode. So please make sure you follow her. Um, Aisha, where can everybody find you? Everybody can find me at Aisha Says Dance pretty much everywhere. <laughs> and we are at kind of dating across the board. Um, I am at Natasha Chandel on Instagram, Natasha underscore Chandel on Twitter, Natasha Chandel official on Facebook. Thanks friends for downloading this episode. If you could please take a few seconds and rate and review us, we'd be so grateful. Also tell a friend and send us your dating stories and thoughts to kind of dating at gmail.com. Finally, I know it seems tough out there, but just try. Till next time. Kind of Dating is created, produced, and hosted by myself, Natasha Chandel. Aisha Holden is my co-host. Our producer is Adam Pineless. And our intern is Karina Uribe. The opening music is composed by Joe Lorenzetti. And our logo and graphics are by Jenna Yenick and K. Daniel Ellis.